0: hello everybody and welcome to our podcast night and moon i am tanner knight and joined with me as always is my lovely and talented wife gabby luna knight hi hi so today on our podcast we are going to talk about a couple things that kind of hit a little close to home for us at least early on and we've uh come to a comfortable comfortable agreement on certain things nowadays that thing is competitiveness yes so we're going to talk about competitiveness and non-competitiveness and kind of what that all means to us
1: yeah and our experience and stuff what does it mean to you babe
0: so competitiveness is kind of this will to do better than others i think oh yeah I think it's really sort of neutral at first, but it can be corrupted pretty easily.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to imagine a society, like even I'm going back to like cavemen (laughs) and see if they were competitive or not. I feel like people were competitive back then. I don't know what they were doing, but
0: (laughs) they were competitively beating each other with big sticks. sticks. (laughs) (laughs) probably.
1: Hey. That's cavist
0: or whatever. <laughs> oh, they're going to come after us. Yeah, they
1: might. With their big...
0: <laughs> <laughs> their big clubs. <laughs> so, okay, well, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that Neanderthals or early humans were probably competitive. And that's how the race survived. Uh, I think that all animals are also competitive to a certain extent. And yeah. It's measured differently for them because if you're not a dog like Jack sitting here next to me <laughs> where you have every need met at every single second of the day then things become a lot more life and death and sometimes competitiveness means the difference between eating and not eating
1: yeah or being eaten and not being
0: eaten yeah or mating and having your genes exactly. carry on and and not so i think really fundamentally if you peel away all of the human layers and all of the animal layers competitiveness is really a struggle with the human will or the the will whatever species it is to survive
1: yeah it's almost like this urge. game or urge to outsmart nature and continue to live on no matter no matter if you die one of the aspects of competitiveness is that you get to spread your seed basically so
0: and that that's you, immortality right?
1: yeah here. it's like your part of you is living on
0: and <laughs> it's evolved so so crazily since the fundamental need for competitiveness as a trait that it's very toxic at times and very difficult to navigate being competitive or having someone else's competitiveness thrust upon you in in our modern world where we're kind of not beyond competitiveness, but certainly the need has evolved to where competitiveness is more of an ego driven thing, I think. Yeah. Today.
1: Like, there is, at this point in time, I feel like the need is not that. We're like Jack, we're those animals who have all of our needs met. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's no need to compete. But even when we had two dogs, those two dogs would compete to get their more needs met or something so it's, <laughs> it's a fund fundamental it nature
0: <laughs> I, see i think it definitely is a fundamental part of nature that
1: of survi- like our instinct of survival yeah
0: and and i would even put this in the realm of plants as well plants yeah. are competitive and have a very aggressive survival strategy that sometimes involves killing off one of the weaker members that's competitiveness
1: it is and just the whole existence of flowers is competitiveness it's like a flower attracts a bee that pollinates and so
0: yeah or human Are
1: <laughs> the beauty of the world in nature is a competition to yeah competition to survive. For
0: who can outdo the other and survive
1: but survive and spread the seed yeah. <laughs> It's like nature gave it to us because it wants us to continue to evolve.
0: Well, and it's it's funny now, not to get too off topic, but you and I are sort of competing to not spread our seed. <laughs> We're yeah. going so far as to, for me to have a vasectomy and mm-hmm. make that a pretty moot end. Our legacy will be this podcast. <laughs>
1: Yes, and whatever <laughs> trees we get to plant. Yeah,
0: so I don't want to paint competitiveness in this real negative light because I think that right now we're about to go that route. What is your your view of competitiveness?
1: Well, when we look at it like that, the basic nature to survive, I think that that has been my experience.
0: <laughs> but when I just say the word competitiveness, what comes mm. to your mind?
1: Just like upset. Upset. <laughs> yeah.
0: A negative reaction. Absolutely. So explain explain why competitiveness elicits that kind of response in you and then we can go from there.
1: I think that being Mexican with growing up with an other female older older too that fits the beauty standards at to a T and I don't and I know that that's not really relevant but it is. <laughs> it is and it's damaging to both sides I think. But in my case, I got the losing end of the stick. So,
0: well, explain to me what the losing end of the stick is because I don't think a lot of people, well, at least white people, I'll, I'll speak for white people. I don't think white people kind of understand that very well.
1: I don't necessarily think that it's because of race so much. It's like because it was, I grew up in a Mexican like setting, and in Mexico, being lighter is better, lighter skin.
0: Well, and the way you've described it to me is that the natural pecking order. In Mexico, kind of arranges itself based on skin color, lightest to darkest.
1: Yeah, and also, like, who's the oldest son, or in this case, you know, sibling or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's always that, and and there's always the idea of the first child just being the, the one that's perfect. I don't know why. That just seems to be, especially if it's a man. Two
0: it, second childs here talking as well.
1: I know. We were both second <laughs> child, so maybe a little bit. you know. And, you know, we have different perspectives because I suspect and I can recognize it in town that he might be the one that got the, the long end of the stick or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it felt to me as a child that growing up, I was always in a game that was always rigged for me to lose no matter what I did.
0: And- yeah you you've said this to me before, rigged against you. Mm-hmm. do you think it was rigged by your sister or by your mom or I think or society?
1: society but I think familial s- society familial mostly. society, but I think that that's where I felt a little bit failed. like I think that sometimes maybe I mean maybe it's a radical thing, but I would say parents should try to diminish the competition between their children and not make it worse
0: well let's first go on the record and say we are not parents we do not know how to parent those things so no yeah we don't know we say with a grain of salt but
1: but we are children and we did have parents yeah and 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 i'm speaking of that experience
0: yeah i agree with you that when parents pit one against the other then it's always a lose-lose yeah it's lose-lose because There's no scenario in which both children learn what appropriate competitiveness is based off of kind of skewed factors.
1: Yeah, it stunts everybody's growth. Like they're not prepared for the actual real world. And I think that that's cruel too. And the other person works really hard and none of their advances get noticed, but that might make that person want to give up and not continue to advance themselves. So I think that... For me, that was my experience. I can't speak on the experience of anybody else but mine. But I can see how there's a disadvantage on both sides. Or for any, like if there's more than two siblings, you know, it. I don't think it's fair to do that. And I think that because of that, it affects me and, and it bugs me when like friends try to be competitive. Because I don't, I don't think that true friendship should have like competitiveness in any way. I think that that kind of colors a friendship in a different way.
0: I don't know. I think there's probably no male, male friendship that exists without some sort of competitiveness. <laughs> and, you know, I think a certain amount of it's healthy and a certain amount of it's not healthy. Yeah. And for me personally, in my adult life with my adult friends, let's take mountain biking, for instance, it's something that I've been doing most of my life at this point, And I got a pretty good handle on it. So when, when people come at it, as kind of fresh fresh meat doing it and uh like i'm speaking of one person in particular that will go nameless but (laughs) there's you know people that come at Uh it people come at the sport with this intent that they're going to be the best right from the start and you know there's a little bit of competitiveness that comes out in me when that happens like oh i'm Uh, i'm I'm basically the old old buck at this point (laughs) Say, oh, well, this, the young buck trying to challenge it. You know, it's really stupid. And I'm not saying I'm the best mountain biker in the world by any stretch of the imagination. And You know, I, but that part of me is my ego, I guess. We'll just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. It says, well, I can still do this. And I think a certain amount of that is healthy. Most of it's probably not, though.
1: Yeah, I think that it's it's healthy to have some type of competitiveness. But personally, it's hard for me to handle it. I don't like it. Yeah. And but, I, I um, get that. But it's still something that I understand and want to work with so I can like let it be more, <laughs> more of a thing in my life. And, you know, it depends if it's someone that's just, I don't know, competition in, in
0: for the sake of competition, for
1: the sake of competition.
0: I, yeah. So I think it just
1: rubs me the wrong way in <laughs> certain cases. Let's talk about that.
0: That That's a very interesting point. And I think that modern American society really pushes this competition for competition's sake Mm -hmm. just because it's like that's the default at this point if you're not competing you're not in the game and blah 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 and i just don't necessarily think that's a healthy thing for people to just be engaged in constant competition for the sake of competition
1: I have a little story for you. I think it illustrates competition for the sake of competition on top of for the sake of competition again. (laughs) And so uh, before I met you, just like the year before, I think it was the lead up to the winter. So basically all the winter of 2018, I joined this competition that was only it was it was not so much a competition, but it was it was done in this. I worked at the time and as a teacher, you could join.
0: What kind of competition? And it was a
1: competition just to see how many classes you could take. And if you could take a certain amount of classes, you would win something like something silly, like a T-shirt or something like that.
0: So you're basically just a patron of this yoga studio. And the competition is to see how much money you can spend there.
1: (laughs) Well, no. So personally, teachers would get free classes. Usually that's like.
0: This was when you were a teacher there already.
1: Yeah, I was teaching there and it was free and I joined it because one of the other teachers who who was my friend at the time asked me to join. So for me, it felt like, oh, my gosh, it's like a little thing we're doing together. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like going to check on each other almost every day to see if we can like go. And so we went to a class and I loved it. I was super happy with it. And that already is a competition in and of itself, because there was a board with everyone's name and you got to put a sticker on your day when you went, which is like the final reward after take. For (laughs) me, you know I love stickers, babe. All right, so this particular person, which also goes unnamed, I don't want to name, left the class earlier than me for some reason and then went and filled out like all her stickers and mine too.
0: In advance?
1: In advance, which pissed me off.
0: (laughs) Because she was just making sure you would be there is that what her no she was? filled
1: out like apparently she had already taken more classes than me she filled out my sticker which i want to reiterate <laughs> and but not that's not like really the problem but the problem was that i was bamboozled into a competition with her because she said look i have one more classes i have way more classes you have to catch up now and it, like it was ugh, like ugh, oh my gosh no. I, oh. I was like what even is this i yeah. thought we were gonna like help each other to do as much ma- i wasn't even competing or thinking i I knew that she might be able to do more classes because she had more time and I had a bunch of jobs. So just knowing that in and it of itself, you wouldn't want to compete with someone like this it's like <laughs> already rigged, you know? So that's what yeah. pissed me off when somebody competes with me when it's already rigged. I think that I just figured it out. We worked it through. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think a lot of competition is rigged in favor of one person or the other. And I don't know how to navigate that other than just kind of do your best, but
1: I think that if if you notice it, like I'm here complaining about the competition being rigged against me, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that if I really look at it, there are times that it's not that it's the other way in my life, you know, so yeah, we I,
0: th- I think that's fair,
1: yeah, so it's fair, but when you're bamboozled into <laughs> it, <laughs> that's what I don't it that is competition for competition's sake, right?
0: yeah, is it not it is it definitely is, and I think yoga. I don't want to Oh this the yoga community cuz I I love the yoga community but You I, love me. <laughs> I love you, but I think that yoga becomes competitive on a few different levels and it's kind of just an interesting societal experience to go to a yoga class and It really is. just see who's performing for the class <laughs> whether it's a teacher or a student. And oh,
1: yeah, exactly. It it really becomes a lot of performing.
0: And it, who's got the right Lululemon outfit and yeah, blah, blah. And what
1: teacher teaches the right way according to you know whoever
0: yeah, what white women teacher <laughs> teaches the right way.
1: You know, it just depends on what what the studio is all about and and how you fit into it. And sometimes the competition is rigged there too. And. I have been in that end of the stick, but I know many, many other girls that have also been in that short end because there's only like one specific teacher that teaches a specific way. It's hard to emulate that person.
0: Well, and we're missing the fundamental point that yoga is fundamentally non-competitive. I guess yeah, they not... do compete in India. For oh, yoga, yeah, but... that is so weird. There's the shtanga and how they do you poses. Know, that's like totally different. That's not and that's what we're That's their culture. About. We should, yeah, yeah like,
1: <laughs> but here in America like
0: becomes more of like a performative thing
1: yeah especially i mean i don't want to diss any studios or anything i think that whatever that you can offer when it comes to yoga it opens up people's minds but i have noticed that if it's like a a power yoga or like core based yoga which are really great but you have to be really strong to even (laughs) start doing those um i i feel like i've seen more performance there especially when there's dudes there (laughs) like you know it's just it's a little bit of a like it feels like a gym more than
0: than a a, yeah spiritual yogi center or
1: just like (laughs) sewn out and like you know close your eyes and focus on what you're doing
0: yeah so that's, I always found that to be interesting about it's a the yoga community. Yeah, it's a scene. You're right. Yeah. It's totally a scene. And the same can be said about mountain, mountain biking. That's yeah. a total scene filled with bros and broettes. And
1: and broettes. <laughs> it's
0: one of the more competitive scenes from like a scene standpoint that I've been a part of. And I've always kind of felt gross about it. Like I kind of hate hanging out with more than two mountain bikers at the same time because oh no. then it's like. Oh, it's a mountain bike festival. Let's just talk about bikes, and oh. it's like, oh god, here we go. But I, uh, it's a part of me, and it will always be. I think, and I just don't think it has to be the core, central part. That's- Did
1: you feel like let's let's actually take a step back here because you didn't tell us if you grew up with competitiveness or not?
0: Yeah, so I do think that I grew up with a pretty healthy relationship with competitiveness. I would say that I was probably the more competitive brother between my brother and I. And, you know, I was a pretty fast runner. <laughs> we talked about how I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I can run really fast. And, Cute. Um, you know, I was not the biggest person. So I wasn't like a huge athlete, but I was pretty agile and thought pretty quickly and on my feet. So, yeah, competitiveness was not that it wasn't that negative to me. It was seen as, okay, this is something that I can challenge myself to overcome this goal, whatever it is. And, you know, even through high school sports, I played soccer and ran track and stuff. I competed, but I never took it personally. Like, we lost every single game. Like, my the years that I played soccer. And I was like, oh, okay, well.
1: I did my best. <laughs> I did
0: my best. And it didn't really bother me. And that probably irked my more competitive teammates or coaches because i don't know i guess i just didn't have that eye of the tiger in me
1: when it comes to a sport it's like but why do you want me to do that you know <laughs> yeah, like I'm not well, give, on me. <laughs> give me a good why <laughs> yeah you're, gonna need you're to not be more specific yeah. you know that actually your experience brought up the fact that there were certain grades i i always had really good grades especially when we lived in veracruz and I felt like that was a bubble that no one else can compete with me. <laughs>
0: so that was your your edge in competitiveness. Was It was.
1: Grades. It was. And I feel like that was a healthier part because when I, I remember like distinctly competing with this one t- particular kid, Martin, we were in fifth grade and he was always just like two points or like less than me and... I would just feel so good about that. You know, like I beat him fair and square in math, you know, and like he was so good too. the the fact that I could beat him. We would go over our test, like nerd out, (laughs) like let's look like where, oh, you messed up on this one. Like it was really healthy competition. And I remember having fun in that particular grade because of that.
0: Yeah. And those kinds of things, you got to find what you're good at, I think. And for me, it was music. It's hard yeah. to be competitive in music, well, that's not true, I guess I don't people think are that you competitive, but
1: yeah, I feel like because because you learn so well, you learn to like understand the language of music and as a language. I don't think that even if people try to compete with you, that you can even be in that level because you're just kind of <laughs> like, oh, I'm listening- I'm vibing with the music that I'm understanding, like I just feel like you enter another zone where competitiveness doesn't exist for you.
0: Well, no, and...
1: You're like, no, no, no.
0: (laughs) I have definitely succumbed to competitiveness in my music making, like when I was an opera singer. Oh, yeah, well... (laughs) It's hyper-competitive, and... Yeah. You know, they have literal vocal competitions where you compete against one another for money, and the best singers get the money. So it's like, okay, I can do that. And, yeah, that was very competitive to be a part of, but again like you said it was it was more of a flow for me it was just like what i did and it was fun at the time so it was like okay well let's just keep keep riding this train and it eventually stopped being fun and it eventually stopped being easy and it eventually stopped being competitive and uh now i just want to play with people who are better than me that's that's it like i want to play in a room where i'm the absolute worst musician and i <laughs> Can barely keep up, like just play for hours like that. That would be great for me. I love that. So, I don't think you can really escape competitiveness in any way. There's competitive in the competitiveness in the workplace, which tends to be a good thing, unless it's just like again over the top hyper competitiveness
1: in the workplace. What's the worst, um, competitive thing you feel like you've <sighs> experienced in the workplace? It can be any.
0: I think in my current job, it's There's a lot of middle managers because there's a lot that needs to get done. And I think some people want to believe that their position is a little higher than it is. (laughs) You know, that's, again, an ego thing where if you just forget about position, where you are and focus on the tasks that you have at hand, then you're probably in a better position to accomplish them. But, you know, that kind of... I'm the boss type of mentality. I I get the final word. I can't really say that I've ever been in a situation where it hasn't existed. And it's probably for the best. That's how business gets done. People are competitive. They want to succeed. But overall, I think you can take a pretty non-competitive stance and still be pretty successful. At least that's what I try to do. So what is your take or your feeling? about non competitiveness.
1: Well, because I'm a woman, I feel like I feel like I started this year trying to make sure that my words and my communication with other women is non-competitive. And so my focus right now, especially in like in my other podcasts, I'm starting to interview and I wanna interview other women and I wanna make sure that I come across as like that I have a full conversation with them without competing with them, without that I can truly understand their story without thinking, hey, I also did this. Like, you know, I don't, like, it's not just about me. And I think that that's, I don't know, being non-competitive and being competitive. Like, it's so crazy to me because I hate being competitive, but in a way I'm secretly very competitive. I just never really tried to compete because I felt like it was always rigged against me. And when I grew up and grew out of it, I think my mentality just didn't grow out of it. So it doesn't help me in relationships, I think. And so in, in that way, now currently, non-competitiveness is more of a mindset for me and a way of communicating. Or like I'm trying to have a mindset to communicate with another any other women without competition, which is hard.
0: Well, you mentioned communication, and I think that's kind of – that's key. It's like you you don't communicate with your competition.
1: You... No, you're just –
0: Separate from one-upping. Yeah, and if you're really interested in communication, then there can no, there can be no competition for attention or for anything. I, I don't know what most people want <laughs> out of <laughs> one-on-one interactions, but either way, you do see a lot of conversations, or you engage in a lot of conversations where it's just like, uh-huh. I'm waiting to speak. Waiting to speak. Now my turn to speak. Uh, yeah. I speak better, and that's like social competitiveness. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking irritating.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really feel like I was in that situation last year, like specifically that with like women, like I didn't have a good conversation. And I, I can see that, one, when you're encountering something too much, it's obviously something you're attracting or that you have within you, too, that you need to look in within yourself. So I guess I can definitely hear it and point it out. And I, I can like weed it out, basically. And that's what I'm trying to do with it.
0: When you're doing it or when you encounter it or both?
1: Well, that's that's actually way different. When I'm doing it, it's easy for me to weed it out. When I encounter it, there's also a reaction, right? Like when and you re- encounter competitiveness. Yeah, an
0: interpretation and then a reaction. And
1: then a reaction, which is, I feel like because I've been trying to weed out competitiveness in my language and vocabulary or whatever, that it's giving me this space to... Even if someone's competitive, I can give it space and not give it a re. I can take a beat and not react. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe before I would have been like, "Okay, like maybe it's and it's not noticeable. Maybe it is. You never know." Your reactions, they your energy changes within a second, and people can sense that. Mm -hmm. Whether your face doesn't change or not, like it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what you described is an ego bruise, and that's when the ego gets bruised the energy changes whether the face changes or not yeah it's like oh well i feel like that now yeah gonna, i'm gonna stew in it
1: <laughs> exactly and or even if it's just like not stewing it but it's like ooh, i don't want to be around this person yeah, because i'm gonna bail i'm gonna bail which is kind of my as <laughs> my style it's like oh you know what mm,
0: we're done here. uh-huh
1: we're done here and that comes from you know, childhood, too, is just like it's it, at at a certain point when you're a kid and you're always failing, it comes it becomes really painful. It's it really is. And so it's been difficult to <laughs> <laughs> to shake it off.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: What is your thought on non-competitiveness and how do you do it? Well,
0: I I never really considered non-competitiveness <laughs> until. I wasn't competitive at singing opera, I guess. Oh. It took me losing my talents and being utterly non-competitive in that field to really think about what that meant. And uh, it basically felt like useless. (laughs) Like it was a very, it was a negative feeling. Non-competitive to me meant that I was not performing to the standards that I was used to or wanted. And uh, it has since evolved to um, me understanding that all of those feelings were because of my ego and my ego attachment to that career and the feelings that it provided for me and my ego. And ripping all of that away, it's like, okay, non-competitiveness doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can just be a way to live and be the most successful social person you can, I guess, a... I don't know, that seems kind of stupid, but it's like all of our interactions are social. So if you try to make those positive and remove the competition from them, you have a better chance of success. And that's kind of the, the attitude that I adopted from that. Not exactly like I'd been evolving towards that at that point, but it really took shaking that career for me to embrace it fully.
1: Sounds like you ripped out all the weeds at once or just like the one, <laughs> instead of like weeding it out like I am, you're just like. That's my
0: style. All my yeah. shit goes all at once. It's <laughs> like no little, well, I, there's usually a lining up that happens. There's forces align line for things to happen really quickly. So I took that uncompetitiveness in one career and shifted it into another and just started from scratch. So so today I think of non-competitiveness as a way to keep the ego in check. It's just like if I feel competitive for any reason, then I can ask myself, what's this all about? And then it's usually like, oh, it's just an ego thing. Oh, okay, well, I can ignore that. And that's typically how I try to operate these days. It makes it so I can collaborate with people that work better, I think, and uh, is the way that I have to operate.
1: I think that letting go of like this one little area of music that made you so competitive allowed you to just like deep dive into music because now you like metal into everything you might not be a pro and at like one specific thing but you're really good at many different instruments and so and then on top of that I see that I see that the men that you jam with versus the men that you don't jam with, you have a different type of relationship mm. with. It's I can't really explain it. It just, It just seems like you guys collaborate and don't compete. Not saying that other men are competitive. I just feel like a guy that jams with you just has a different, deeper connection with you, which is really cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think when you make music with a person, that's a connection that's separate than any other form of communication because in most interactions there's two people and like i said this before like waiting to speak but it's it's really one person has to speak while the other person is listening Mm -hmm. one person has to listen while the other person is is speaking but when you're making music you are both listening and speaking at the same time and speaking is either with your hands or you know singing but you're making music that is separate yet simultaneous. There's no other social form where that happens.
1: I feel like because I I I just want to shout out that I started practicing a drum or two. That's true. It it comes from high school wanting to do that, but I never I never really actually practice anything. I just took a workshop because I'm just trying to do the beat you give me, and then all of a sudden you're like adding to it, and it feels really cool. I like it.
0: Yeah, that's the, the best part of music, is that one person can make music, two people can make better music, mm-hmm. three people can probably make even better music. And I think that for the music that I make today, having at least three people is very satisfying. And... That's you just can't do something simultaneously with two other people short of like fishing. <laughs> I guess you could fish with that. <laughs> what? Just... One thing he does not like to do. <laughs> <laughs> no. But like any other pursuit, what? whether uh, it's it's golfing or, I'm sorry. or sports, it's all yeah. you're doing it individually and yeah. you're competing with them.
1: But I've I've heard you like literally this afternoon you came down and made music on your own. <laughs> With loops and stuff, so it is doable. It's
0: totally doable, and it's very satisfying. And I Mm -hmm. do it frequently. That's the most frequent way that I make music is by myself, and that's fine. I love doing that. I find it very fulfilling, but I also enjoy very thoroughly having two other people be on the same page, listening, in real time, just and playing something and making. It doesn't have to be high art or anything, but shit, just puts a few chords down and it's fun.
1: Yeah. I think I've always said that it is intimidating to jam with someone that understands music the way you do.
0: But but at I, the end of the I, day, I, you can
1: you can just do a, a simple beat.
0: Yeah, by understanding music that means that I should be able to break it down mm-hmm. into its most simplistic forms and and run with it. And I I try to. I try to and that's one of the principles not to go off in the weeds here, but one of my design principles for music is simplicity. It's like If I create something, it's like, can this be simpler and still convey the same effect? And if that means I can take away a few notes, then sure, I'll do that. Yeah. In any event, I don't, I don't, I try not to compete in music these days because I like to collaborate. Yeah. That involves listening.
1: And that definitely comes from letting go of that past. Yeah. Through opera. It was old. It was old anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know?
0: (laughs) Mm hmm. So. Obviously, there's competitiveness, there's non-competitiveness. We can't live in one column or the other. There has to be a balance. I don't know what that looks like entirely. It changes from second to second, minute to minute. But what does it look like to you, that, Well, the balance?
1: I think that for me, because it's mostly something that I have like learned to totally internalize, then maybe I can focus on being competitive with myself. like. Okay, well, today I did this. Maybe tomorrow I can do better um, because I, that would be my best balance. So I don't, but I don't know. Would that take me into a mindset of competing with every single person? I don't know. I hope not.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. That's not necessarily your nature, but.
1: Yeah. And I think that when people are secure and confident on themselves, they don't have the need to compete. Yeah. And like competition is an insecurity an insecurity that says that you're not enough that you're not good enough.
0: Yeah, that's another very good way to frame it because a lot of competition does stem from insecurity.
1: So it, if you are secure within yourself and not just secure but confident in your abilities, what wherever they are, it doesn't have to be olympic type physical abilities, you know, it can be just mm-hmm. whatever is your best. Then I think that that's where a balance can be found.
0: Yeah, that should be good enough. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I think that competitiveness keeps us going. If if we didn't have something to improve, then what would life be worth living? <laughs> yeah. And that's where the competitiveness for me comes to. It's it's a self-competitiveness. I want myself to improve in the things that I do and you only do that through practice, and you will get good at the things you practice. And if you practice competitiveness, you'll get good at that. That's true. If you practice empathy or independence from competitiveness, then I guess that's what you'll you'll attract as well.
1: And if you practice avoiding competition, then you'll get good at avoiding everything. Yeah, so- <laughs> yeah take it from me (laughs) don't do that one
0: yeah so the balance is is trying to be competitive with myself and non-competitive with the rest
1: (laughs) yeah that's i think that's a good balance
0: which I, i guess i just contradicted myself where i said you can't live in one column or the other you have to live in both you do equally just with different subjects yeah so I don't know if we've achieved balance in this I feel balanced. podcast. <laughs> I think that we did not compete with one another for the spotlight.
1: Yeah, and we're Leos, we should have been competing.
0: <laughs> I think Jack was competing the hardest with his snores.
1: Yeah, he he stole the show for a minute. Oh. Cutie. <laughs> Yesterday we tried to record this and <laughs> while trying to record it, he ate six hamburger <laughs> buns. We thought that he was he had left that part of him behind <laughs> in the past in the past, but no, apparently he was competitive and wanted to eat more <laughs> burger buns than we did.
0: Yes, he succeeded
1: he did. I don't know that he felt all that great last night, but he survived,
0: yeah, so he's a little grumbly now, but <laughs> I think he's making it through, yeah. So there's your little coda, (laughs) Jack Coda for you.
1: Jack Coda. Now, uh, I did mention in the last episode that we have, if you're listening through Spotify, there are listener questions. And I'm going to just tell you a quick story and I'm going to ask you to answer a question, okay? So in the weekend, so this is for the listeners, in the weekend, Tan told me that people thought that the singer Yanni was an opera singer. I feel like you have the Yanni look right now. You need to cut your hair. <laughs> to, not all the way, just shorter. Just a little shorter to shoulders. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, That they thought that Yanni was an opera singer.
0: That Yanni represented opera, I think is a better way to, to put it. Not that he was like an opera singer, but the music that Yanni created, they equated that with opera. And I I can't tell you how many times someone came up to me and asked me what I did and I told him I sing opera and they're like, "Oh, like Yanni?"
1: Yeah, I didn't really know who that was because I was because I'm Mexican. So, I okay. thought it was like the clarinet guy. I thought no. that's the guy you were talking about, which I was like, "How can he be opera if he's playing an instrument?" But my question for the listeners is, do you equate Yanni <laughs> with opera?
0: And if uh if you do, I won't shame you, I promise.
1: And it's okay. We all know. I remember Placido Domingo. That he is oh. opera.
0: He yeah. is an actual opera singer who is rightly associated with opera.
1: <laughs> and that that was it. That's all I knew. I had <laughs> nothing else. That was it. Oh, yeah. Or Pavarotti and that's it. <laughs> Just those two.
0: <laughs> well, that's plenty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, make sure you answer the question. Let us know. We'll put little Easter egg questions. Or no, wait. What are they called? Yeah. Easter eggs? Okay. Easter egg questions. <laughs> on every episode so yeah so find them find them
0: so thank you for listening this fine evening or whenever you happen to be listening to us we'll put any links to anything we talked about today i don't think we did
1: maybe a yanni song or something which we'll one's your favorite <laughs> i
0: have no idea
1: <laughs> i'm all y- y- yamming to Yami. Yawning, <laughs>
0: yawning. Yawning. no we're not doing any of that no um so thank you for listening Hopefully we will see you on the next one. Bye.